0: You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Uh, we're still only about a 6 out of 10, I would say. Um, I, I think it can be better. You know, we put one on the ground, a couple of the blocks here and there. Um, you, know, you need to be able to do multiple schemes to run it well. Uh, and, we, and we've got them. We've got to make sure we can run them all well. That's Nebraska head coach Scott Frost assessing how well the Huskers have run their option looks so far in 2021. It's a topic, well, he knows quite a bit about. Over two seasons running the option as Nebraska's quarterback Frost rushed for 1,500 yards and 28 touchdowns. He got to see that play, probably the most devastating play in all of its forms in the history of this sport, run about as well as it can be. So all that context considered, 6 out of 10 ain't bad. As Frost noted, it's been a process to get to this point. Nebraska needed all of the compliments and constraint plays in place. It needed the right personnel. And this year, at least, that has been a lot of wide receivers uh, as that option man. Adrian Martinez is as as talented as he is as a runner. It takes time to kind of hone the details of of what it takes to run that play effectively. The options is as much about decision-making and skill as it is athletic ability. It just takes time to get used to that. And Nebraska is getting closer. 60% they 60% of the way there, I guess you could say the option is becoming a selective weapon for the Huskers. It's something opponents have to spend time planning for. It might be key on Saturday as number nine, Michigan comes to town with two dynamite defensive ends. The Huskers have to slow those guys down somehow. And just winning those battles often enough and pass blocking is a steep hill right now, not just for Nebraska and a couple of young offensive linemen, almost no, no matter which way you cut it, but for any offensive line in the Big Ten. Can the Huskers do it? We'll get into that and more. You're listening to the i80 Preview, Wolverines Huskers Edition. I'm Hale Varsity Managing Editor Brandon Vogel, and let's talk some football. The shockwaves registered as far north and east as Ann Arbor, and as far south and west as Lincoln on Sunday when Circus Sports opened this line at minus one for the Wolverines. Okay, maybe that's overstating things quite a bit, but Michigan minus one, the Wolverines top 10, undefeated, Nebraska three and three. And depending on which power rating you look at, maybe a little bit surprisingly high in a few of those, the line surprised me. I spend a lot of time paying attention to these. Of course, we talk about it near the start of the show each week for a reason. I think it's useful information in terms of how the people who have real money on the line Uh, assess these teams on a, on a week to week basis. I had pegged this line for Michigan minus three or four somewhere in that range, which I felt still would have been surprisingly low for, for some people for it to open at minus one was, was a shock. Even, even to me on that front by midweek, this line, however, had gotten up to, to minus three and a half. Uh, It might continue to go a little bit higher. We'll we'll see by the time kickoff arrives, But three and a half is about where SP plus um, Bill Connolly's power rating measure for ESPN would have this. His system currently has the Wolverines ranked eighth nationally. So right where they were in the coaches poll, one spot of where they were in the AP poll this week. And that puts uh, Michigan at 19.7 points better than the average college football team. Nebraska in those same SP plus ratings was 22nd this week uh, with a rating of 13.5. So you do the math on that include a two and a half point home field advantage, and you get Michigan minus three and a half via SP plus FPI has Michigan rated fifth, though it's rating the actual number has it ranked fifth. I should say rated at 17.9 points better than the average college football team. Nebraska's 21st, with a 10.3 rating, so you can just kind of see the differences of scale there between SP Plus and FPI. Uh, that would put this line at Michigan minus five. So with the actual line midweek at about three and a half, you're you're hitting that range, that kind of spot between SP Plus and FPI so far. The money line on this game: Michigan minus 160 to win straight up, Nebraska plus 140. If you uh, choose to play the Huskers at that number you're paying for a 41.7% win probability. FPI gives Nebraska 36.8%. And in most of the others, I looked at prediction tracker tracker two, and they were right in that 35% range for Nebraska and an outright win. So that's a general setup for what is probably a pretty massive game for, for both teams in a night atmosphere at Memorial Stadium on Saturday. We'll get into that with uh, the players to watch three from the the Michigan side. And you've got a number one with a bullet here in terms of defensive end Aiden Hutchinson. He's impossible to miss. Uh, He leads the big 10 with five and a half sacks. And at times he'll be matched up against a a pretty young offensive lineman uh, for Nebraska, assuming they carry over some of those O-line changes we saw against Northwestern. The Huskers have already faced one of the best edge rushers, in the country in Nick Benito based on the, the mock drafts. Here's another one this week in Hutchinson, and there's still three or four more on the schedule, depending on uh, your preferred mock draft list at this point. But you've got George Carloftis Karloftis at Purdue, Ohio state has two guys kicking around in the top 10 Minnesota next week's opponent also has a player who's not top 10, but in the top 20. So It's life in the big 10. You're never going to face a shortage of elite pass rushers in most of the most seasons you play. Number two for the Wolverines uh, running back Blake Corum is kind of impossible not to look at Michigan's run game with how they've chosen to play so far, but Corum has been pretty good. He's averaging a touchdown every 11.6 touches this year. He's third in the big 10 at 6.2 yards per carry. Much like against Michigan State when the Huskers went into that knowing they'd have to find a way to slow down Kenneth Walker to the third. Corum is that guy for, for Michigan. They also give their, their second back a, a a good deal of carries, but but Corum, based on the numbers at least, is is kind of the biggest big play threat and the guy you have to stop. So he'll be the, the one to watch when the black shirts are on the field third for the Wolverines and we'll we'll go back to defense because defense is kind of in my opinion at least this this team's best foot forward at this moment Uh, linebacker John Ross he's kind of everywhere it's a well-rounded group that that Michigan defense but Ross is is kind of the center of it and getting him back for for 2021 was was a pretty big deal and you know not on its own, of course, but at least partially explains the Wolverines fast start here to the season. He's leading the team at 6.4 tackles per game, led the team last year too, which is why it was so vital to get him back. Flip the uh, depth chart here to, to the Huskers side and look at three, three key players that way. Uh, number one, I'm going to go with offensive lineman, Teddy Perhaska. He has a bright future, but it's still the future. And he played well, given his most extended opportunity against Northwestern, certainly well enough to get more looks down the road. But you're talking about a player with huge upside against a player, at least in some cases, you know, Michigan will move guys around and things will change, but a player in Hutchinson who next year is going to be playing in the NFL. So that's a big ask for, for a freshman and really you know, I, I went with Prochaska here, but you could go down the line, and and look at Nori, uh, who who got the start at last left guard last week. Young player, you know, he played at Colorado State, uh, got his first extended playing time at Nebraska last week. But still, you're talking about potential, which is the word Scott Frost used to describe him this week, versus a ready-made guy. And, and Michigan has a couple of those, even on the on the right tackle side, depending on what Nebraska does there you know, you're, you're choosing between two players who are still relatively early in their career in terms of Ben Hart or Corcoran. So it's tough. It's a, it's a big ask for Nebraska's offensive line in general, but particularly when you start looking at some of the guys who have been in the program for, for a couple of years, but still on the kind of career starts scale are relatively low on that number two for, for the Huskers. I, I can't believe I haven't featured him to this point. I almost went with him last week and chose Samori Toure over him, which, you know, in, in hindsight, wasn't the wrong pick. You could have been right either way. So went with Toure last week. I'll go with Xavier Betts this week. Um, they both played really, really well in the, in that Northwestern game. Of course, Betts showed you just how fast he actually is on an 83-yard option touchdown where he was essentially untouched. He is emerging as a real big play threat for Nebraska, Um, and you're going to need some of those against a team that's right in the top 10. You know, big plays are always a key part of of all football games. There's probably going to be, well, definitely compared to Northwestern, but even compared to kind of season averages coming in, there's going to be a lot fewer of those available. Can Bet still get one or two? Uh, if he does, that's that's a great development for Nebraska. Number three, that's maybe the uh, the obvious pick, but sometimes you just got to go that way. Uh, we'll, we'll put Yaquez Yant in here. He is another guy who saw his first extended playing time at Nebraska against Northwestern and did nothing to to indicate that more shouldn't be in order. Is this the consistency Nebraska's been looking for? At that running back spot, Ramir Johnson over the past three weeks has come in and kind of stabilized things there a little bit. But Yant just added something different that you haven't seen yet. He's he's a big back, a powerful back, of course, but also showed you know on his long sixty-four yard run on on Nebraska's second drive, the ability to make some guys miss. He is the one so far who has looked like the most like quote unquote, the total package. And I'm really careful to even say that because the sample size is still really small with him, but looked good. First time out, I expect him to be a part of the game plan again against Michigan, and it's going to be a a rough and tumble game. So he's the sort of guy you could see having some success against a Michigan defense such as this. Quickly, let's review the, the game tape, quote unquote, from last week's podcast. Nebraska sort of obliterated the need for keys to the game by playing his most complete game of the frost era, but that's a good problem to have, of course. First key to the game last week was was keep Northwestern's offense off schedule. That wasn't an emphatic check for, for Nebraska's defense. Wildcats had a 46% success rate before the game fell into garbage time, but Nebraska only allowed two scoring opportunities. That success rate for Northwestern's right about where nebraska's season average has been um and was going into that game so it wasn't given the game state given that nebraska got out to an early lead and that it was able to hit big plays seemingly at will you didn't the threshold for this to be a successful defensive game didn't end up mattering as much as you would have thought in the in the days going into it and nebraska's defense still played well it's still doing its thing of keep the big plays down, stay, make, make drives extended, um, by keeping those big plays down and you can win that way. And, and they, they only allowed two scoring opportunities for Northwestern turned one of those away with a, a really great play call and a really great individual plays on the case of Deontre Thomas and Jojo Doman to, to force a turnover inside the five. Second key last week was, can Nebraska hit for an explosive rush or two? That was an emphatic check. Yant took North Nebraska's fourth rush of the game, 64 yards. Adrian Martinez had a 25-yard touchdown. Ramir Johnson ripped off a 23-yarder. And then Betts, of course, went untouched for 83 yards. Frost has said all along, this offense is different if it hits some of those runs. It looked a lot different last week. Third key was totally a non-factored was rendered irrelevant by the fact that Nebraska was hitting for 70 plays, 70 yard passes and and 80 yard brushes uh, was to play the long game. Talked last week about how this Nebraska team is better suited. I think to, to go on some of those extended drives and to ask opposing offenses to have to do the same. Um, That hadn't been the case in, in previous seasons. It's kind of the most big tinny to, use a term that this Nebraska program has felt under under frost so far. And Nebraska didn't need to do that because they were able to do almost everything they wanted offensively against the Wildcats. That'll take us to halftime. Here's Rusty Dawkins with Saturday's forecast. You can follow Rusty on Twitter at Husker Weather. and check hillvarsity.com throughout the week for updates ahead of game day.
1: Hi there, everyone. I'm meteorologist Rusty Dawkins for Hail Varsity, and this is the I-80 Preview Podcast Forecast. We've got a pretty good one coming up. Uh, Michigan's coming to town. 6.30 kickoff, the average high... Uh, for this game is 70 degrees, and we're going to be well above that. Uh, I think by noon on Saturday, partly cloudy skies and temperatures are going to be already close to 80 degrees. Gusty southwest wind at 10 to 25 miles per hour will help to warm us up. By 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I think we reach our afternoon high. Partly cloudy skies and highs in the middle 80s, probably around 85 degrees, with, again, that gusty southwest wind at 10 to 20, maybe 25 or 30 miles per hour. As we head towards kickoff around 6, 630 in the evening, Still very mild temperatures, close to 80 degrees. Partly cloudy skies, and a southwest wind starting to calm down. I think as soon as the sun goes down, the wind will start to die off a little bit, but still out of the southwest, at 10 to 20 miles per hour. As we head towards halftime, around 8 o'clock, partly cloudy skies, middle 70s, so still very warm. A southwest wind at 10 to 20 miles per hour, and then by the end of the game, we finally get our temperatures back to the average high. I think we'll be around 70 degrees by the end of the game. Partly cloudy skies, and this is when we start to see a chance. It's a small chance but a chance for some light rain and that southwest wind at 10 to 20 miles per hour i'll have more forecast updates on my social media channels that's rustywx and husker weather and you can always find more updates on hail varsity and all of their social media channels go big red
0: kick off the second half here with the only question that matters how does nebraska beat michigan this week wolverines have quickly gone from an unranked team to start the season a team picked by most to finish middle of the pack in the big 10 East to top 10 and tie for first place in the division. Nebraska has been on an even wilder ride in that it's, it's featured its ups and downs, mostly downs after that loss to to Illinois, the the hot seat talk for Scott Frost ignited. You had a good performance against Oklahoma in the loss. You had another good, but frustrating <laughs> performance on the road at Michigan state. And the power ratings this entire time were were saying there were signs of life here with this Nebraska team, but you needed the Northwestern game. You needed a 56-7 win to really drive that point home. And that's that's where we're at going into Saturday night. Um, You've got Michigan, who's in all the conventional ways, looks like one of the best teams in the country. You've got Nebraska, which at best at this point you can say, they're better than their record indicates. And that sets up a pretty good uh, set of storylines for this week. Keys to the game, in in my view, number one, we'll start with Nebraska's defense. Blackshirts have to keep the lid on this Michigan offense. Offensively, right now, the Wolverines are kind of an interesting puzzle. They're running the ball 70% of the time. Only the service academies, which run the triple op- option classically, um, are, are have a higher run rate at this moment. There's an extreme stick-to-itiveness with, with Jim Harbaugh in the run game right now. It might have to do with, with Michigan's quarterback. Cade McNamara ranks 18th in total QBR, which is far and away good enough for for what Michigan wants to do. He's not much of a run threat but he's been a competent passer and some of that might have to do with the fact that he's faced almost zero pressure, which some of that might have to do with the fact that Michigan's running the ball 70% of the time. But the Wolverines have only allowed one sack three or five games. Nebraska's been pretty good, uh, at least compared to its recent standard uh, over, over past seasons in terms of getting to the passer and forcing the issue, not just in terms of sacks, but in in all the ways that don't show up on the stat sheet. But the key objective here, I think, for Nebraska, and the challenge actually may not be the key objective, maybe the key challenge is, can the Huskers consistently stop that Michigan run? The Huskers have in in the past, and Michigan has also been stopped and showed that it's going to, to keep running the ball anyway. But the point here for for the black shirts is to to put that onus on on McNamara on on Michigan's quarterback. If it does, it's probably in a good place. But some of Michigan's reliance on the run game so far isn't just what gives it its best chance to win. I think it's how Michigan wants to play in general, and we'll get to get to more on that as, as we get to the third key for this game. But stopping the run, always important in a game, particularly important when you're facing a team that's come in, rushing the ball 70% of the time. But I think the thing that Nebraska absolutely can't have happen in this game, which should be kind of a grinded out type of game, is it, it can not allow Michigan to hit for long touchdowns. The Wolverines have on their way to, to 5-0. and So far this season, Michigan has a three-play, 83-yard touchdown drive a two-play 80-yard touchdown drive, a four-play 87-yard touchdown drive, a one-play 87-yard touchdown drive, a three-play 70-yard touchdown drive. I could keep going, but you get the point. Eight of Michigan's 25 touchdown drives this season have required five or fewer plays and covered at least 70 yards. Seven more of those scoring drives were five or fewer plays and only had to cover 35 yards or less. So there's your turnovers and special teams coming into this. But for a team that for two weeks, really the past two weeks in terms of Michigan, their two big 10 games, Rutgers and Wisconsin was perfectly content to keep smashing its head against the wall, even though it would end both of those games at under three yards per carry. That's fine. And that's good. And it's, it's a way for this team as it's currently constructed to, to win some games. But if you take out, those, those big plays, those three, four, five play scoring drives, I think you're really putting putting the test to just how consistent this offense can be uh, over long stretches. And it hasn't been asked to do that a whole lot so far. This matches up pretty well with what Nebraska has done defensively through, through six games. Nebraska's shown the ability to limit the run it also has shown the ability to limit big plays. In fact, limiting big plays is, I think, the primary feature of this defense so far. And it's going to be absolutely essential in this one. If, if Michigan's going to run the ball seven out of 10 times and go on 14 play, 75-yard scoring drives, hey, tip your hat to them. Not many teams have been able to do that against Nebraska so far. If Michigan does, well, they probably out-executed you. Or your defense had an off day, but go ahead and make them prove that. The thing that you don't want them to prove is oh, the big play portion of this is still here, too. The like big bust where McNamara finds a receiver downfield, and you know, Michigan, of course, recruits at a super high level. They lost their best receiver in the first game of the season, but they've got plenty of guys that can hurt you. So everyone will focus on how much run Nebraska is going to face, I look at that as kind of, that's fine. Like I'm more confident in Nebraska's ability to hold up and win its fair share of of plays there and Michigan will win some too. The ones they can't win are the ones that just get away from you. Giving this defense or giving this Michigan offense shortcuts, uh, so to speak, whether it's through a, a bus that leads to a 50 or 60 yard gain or even the short fields, which, you know, isn't so much the defense's to control are, are sure ways for Michigan to move to 6-0 and probably creep towards the top five uh, should that happen. Second key in the game, we'll go to Nebraska's offense. Um, can the Huskers draw up a way to make some gains on the ground again? I use that phrasing intentionally because we still haven't seen enough from from the Huskers' run game to to say well to to say they're going to be able to do what Michigan does it's like we're just going to go out and run our stuff and you know a lot of it's going to feel like it's not working for a long time but we'll keep with it and at the end of the day that's our best path forward Nebraska still has to really scheme things up in the run game and it's it's showing the ability to do that the key to unlocking what is a pretty good Michigan defense for the moment at least, might reside in Piscataway, New, New Jersey. Um, don't often get to say that, but in terms of post-game win probability, which is effectively just a way to measure how much of a win share a team has earned through the stats it produced, Rutgers has come the closest to to beating this Wolverines team this year. It wasn't that close, according to college football data. Um, it put Rutgers' post-game win probability at 21%, but that was better than Wisconsin did a week ago. Badgers only uh, pulled away 2% from Michigan, which meant that based on the stats in that game, Michigan wins that game about 90% of the time, which is how it looked on the scoreboard as well. Rutgers managed that in a 2013 loss by rushing for a season high 196 yards against this Michigan defense. Running back Isaiah Pacheco had 107 yards on 20 carries. But quarterback Noah Vedro was important too. He only went for 48 yards on 11 carries, but the key was, for a Michigan defense that has spent a lot of time in opposing backfields, uh, he was only sacked once for a loss of two yards. So Rutgers did a really nice job of kind of, and we, you know, all know kind of the base level talent differential between a Michigan and a Rutgers. Um, Greg Schiano's working to fix that, and based on early recruiting returns doing a good job but it's just going to be tough ever to to look at a Michigan Rutgers game and say yeah these two teams are equal talent wise so you've got to scheme or scheme around that a bit um, Nebraska Nebraska's closer to Michigan on on the talent equation but given its limitations in the run game so far it also has to scheme around that a little bit and Adrian Martinez is a pretty good club to have in the bag for that I got a kick out of this Jim Harbaugh. I think the third or fourth question he was asked at his weekly press conference ahead of this Nebraska game was if having faced federal would help the Wolverines prepare to face a player like Martinez and Harbaugh was very complimentary of federal, but then he also said, quote, hate to compare, but it's that. And then some unquote when talking about Martinez and that's true. Uh, We talked about this last week, but Every coach in the Big Ten has similar things to say about Martinez. He's just a player who, even when a defense does what its coaches have asked it to do, um, you know, it stays sound, it gets pressure. Martinez is the kind of guy who can still make a play um, in situations like that. Nebraska's run the ball in exactly two games this season, I would say, Fordham and then Northwestern. But there's a glimmer of hope here, at least, that the handoff run game could have some success Saturday. Michigan, for all of its defensive success to this point, only ranks 58th in success rate against the rush, which means there are some gains to be had there if you're consistent and willing to stick with it. Beats the alternative of, of going against that that Michigan pass defense and particularly that pass rush um, in terms of success rate against passing plays the Wolverines ranked 33rd nationally. So big play passing game has been Nebraska's most consistent strength so far, but this week's game might be defined by the Huskers' ability to find similar success on the ground as Rutgers. Don't, don't say that very often either. Um, Nebraska's going to have to get creative to do so. If you're concerned about your ability to block a pair of elite defensive ends, leaving them unblocked, on option plays might be literally in this case, I guess the path of least resistance. Um, can Nebraska use some of those things? It's been showing to a slightly greater degree each, each week, since we really saw the, the option debut heavily, uh, against Fordham and then Buffalo can Nebraska use some of that to try and slow down a player like Hutchinson. I think they will, um, how successful they are with it will go a long way towards determining this. But and, and Michigan saw, you know, obviously saw what Nebraska did to Northwestern with those plays. They'll come in with it with a pretty solid plan for, for what they hope to do against them. And even if they execute that, that's where Martinez comes back in. He's just kind of, he's good enough individually as a playmaker to make you wrong even when you're right defensively. Nebraska so far has done, a, I think, a good job of kind of selectively deploying Martinez. Um, obviously, the injury risk when those carries get up there is is higher um, for a player who has been fumble-prone over his career, though not so bad this year so far. Um, there's also that piece of it. But Martinez is just too valuable as a runner for a game like this facing a top 10 team on your home field with a chance to really change the narrative even more from what you changed it in a big win over Northwestern. It's tough not to lean on a guy who right now in terms of the Russian component of total QBR ranks second nationally, this might be a game where you just have to lean on his talents with the ball in his hand and, if that's the case. And if, if Martinez plays as well as he has so far through six games for Nebraska, uh, it, it leaves the Huskers in a pretty good spot. So we'll see how willing they are to deploy what in my opinion is still probably their best weapon. Third and final key for this week against Michigan, it's going to be a checkpoint game and game state's going to matter quite a bit. I try to be really careful with quote unquote trend stats they're they're often really fun and interesting to look at but it's hard to draw a straight line from this is what has been and thus this is what it will be particularly when you you know you see it on the bottom line now as kind of sports betting has become a more regular part of it you know it'll say cal is one in 16 over the past 14 years when a six point underdog at home, which is fine, that's true. It's just, you know, what does the 2007 Cal team have to do with 2021 Cal? That's always kind of the question, and always sort of my hesitancy with looking too hard at these. That said, um, I'm just going to contradict myself completely then. Uh, There were a few of these when looking at Harbaugh and his career numbers in Ann Arbor that, that jumped out to me. And and I do think they have the potential to tell some of the story of what unfolds on Saturday under Harbaugh. So since 2015, the Wolverines are 41 and seven when scoring first 13 and 15 when, when the opponent scores first, they're 46 and five when leading at the half eight and 15 when trailing. They're 49 and three when leading after three quarters, four and 19 when trailing can kind of see not necessarily the trend, but what I'm looking at here is I think it, it tells you quite a bit about how Michigan wants to play and really how it has been playing so far this year. You know, they are a team that is content to do what they do, um, stay pretty sound and, hopefully get a lead and sit on the game. Like they'll, they'll keep running it. Even if it means, you know, even if it looks pretty ugly and it's three or four yards per carry, um, last week Harbaugh said the Wisconsin game, and now granted Wisconsin has a really, really good defense and a really, really good rush defense. But he said it was a game where a seven or eight yard gain on the ground felt like a big play. And that was true. And, you know, credit to Michigan They brought in, you know, some new staff members got quote unquote younger in terms of their coaching staff. And obviously we all know where Michigan was as a program under Harbaugh. It was, you know, will they, or won't they give him a contract extension going into this 2021 season? They did. He took a pay cut. So, you know, it was one of those scenarios where national observers pointed to Michigan. Oh, there's a hot seat opportunity. And all of those outside pressures for Michigan to come out and say, well, we feel good in our ability to run the ball. We're going to run the ball even when it looks like we're not having success. And with this defense, if we get an early lead, that puts us in the best spot to win. And that's exactly what they've done. Michigan has yet to trail for a single snap this season. They're one of four teams that can say that along with Georgia and Alabama who right now are just running laps on the the rest of college football. And then also BYU has been in that spot. And BYU is a team that everyone with the loss of their quarterback thought, hey, great year last year. This one's going to be something closer to six and six. But the Cougars have been super impressive so far through this half of the college football season. Michigan's in that company. Last week, Nebraska got off to the fastest start possible. 70 yards on the first play after Northwestern deferred to second half. You can't count on things like that, but the start to this game on Saturday will be big, probably even bigger than it was against Northwestern. Since the loss at Illinois, Nebraska's done a good job of controlling games offensively for the most part. Um, you know, there were still, they only went two and two over that stretch prior to Northwestern last week, but it got better, and it can. It I think it can continue to get better. Right now, Nebraska is probably its Big tenniest, um of at any point under under Frost. Certainly, an early lead, if Nebraska can engineer one, would put not just Nebraska in a good spot because an early lead puts any team in a pretty good spot. But I think the key here is it would put Michigan in some in unfamiliar waters you know, they've gotten to 5-0 and by executing their plan, but also playing with the lead the entire time. And what happens when that's not the case? We don't know. Um, I think Michigan has done more than enough to earn the benefit of the doubt, but it would be really nice from Nebraska's perspective to kind of force that issue. There's quite a bit of randomness involved in, in what happens early in games. You know, if you could just say, well, we're going to go out and we're going to own the first four drives every week. Well, er every team would do that because the benefits to it are clear. You can't just wave a magic wand and make that happen. We can note that how this game starts is going to go a lot of the way, probably to determining how it finishes, but you still got to go out there and try and do it. And for Nebraska, I think this is where being at home, with some momentum coming out of Northwestern is, is key. That crowd's going to be electric from kickoff. It's going to be electric from, you know, 40 minutes before kickoff when people start filing in and the, the darn things nearly totally full as Michigan's on its half of the field warming up. That all has to play in here. And I would be very, very surprised if you saw a Nebraska team that wasn't ready to go out of the gates doesn't mean, you know, you could still fumble on the first play. You could still throw for 36 yard gain to start things off. And then you're rolling who knows with that piece of it. It's more just as we, as we look at this, which team is most ready to play right away is going to be some high leverage stuff right out, right out from, from the opening kickoff. And I expect, expect Nebraska to do pretty well there. It probably has to do pretty well there. If it's to spring what is a surprisingly, I guess when you just look at the records and rankings, what would be a slight upset? But that beats the alternative. Don't tune in late to this one, because those those first couple of drives, like I said, are going to be absolutely key to determining how everything else goes beyond that. That'll do it for this week. Thanks for listening to the IAD preview. If you like the show, do your podcast chores, rate and review, subscribe, tell a friend, tell an enemy, and be sure to check out all of our other shows on the Hale Varsity Network for more on a massive game and a rare visit from Michigan. It's, It's kind of strange to look back and say, oh, Michigan's only been to Lincoln twice. And only one of those was in the decade that Nebraska has been in the Big Ten. When the Huskers made that move, we all probably envisioned something differently, but Maybe it was maybe all the near misses of how many teams, how many times these two teams could have played if they'd remained in the same division. Uh, maybe all the waiting will have been worth it because we're certainly looking at a a game that's just fun. Uh, if you're a fan of college football, much less a fan of two teams undefeated on one side, got to go on the road for the second straight week. Michigan really kind of got a big monkey off its back with a. Uh, it's first win in Camp Randall uh, at Wisconsin in more than a decade, I believe, and now it gets the chance to go and do it again on the in the Nebraska corner. You got a team that was always probably a little bit better than this record showed, but now some other people who really don't have the motivation to look beyond anything but the record uh, are starting to take notice too. So it's a it's a it's a big game. It's been a fun week. It's going to continue to be a fun weekend and uh, I appreciate you spending, allowing me to at least take up some of the agonizing minutes up to kickoff. Thanks. A Media Production.